Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who uh, haven't lived up to their expectations. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Wow, I feel called out. Um, you should. <laughs> I've been trying. The last several years have been really good for me. I've been making up for lost time. I let go of a Super Bowl winning podcaster for you. <laughs> uh, this is Chuck Siders. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And if you want to, you know, harp on me and make me feel guilty, that's the place to do it. Uh, my name is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And it was really all downhill after somebody gave me a three-year contract worth like 140 million. At that point, I figured. You know, what can I do wrong? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, tough week. It's been tough week yeah. since we last gathered gathered around these microphones. And we're, we're so positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes we get called out for being too negative. Sometimes, you know, people just don't want to be around that sort of negativity. Uh, negativity. But, you know, last week we were nothing but positive and really felt like things were going our way but hot damn a, a week later and i'm miserable <laughs> like i put a lot of hopes on the eagles beating the patriots to like lift up my mood and they um they did not yeah we had a slew of losses uh from our arena teams uh some you know, more justified than others and and we'll get to that later but really kind of the thing that could have really taken this week and and left it on a positive note would have been an eagles upset uh, against against the evil the evil patriots who by the way my son hates the patriots above all other nfl teams including the dallas cowboys i'm i almost want to say like there's nothing wrong with that like to a certain degree like that that I understand makes sense it. for like where he is in his in his development. He hasn't lived through any cowboy success, which is right. Like that's the thing. Part is, of it. Yeah, it's their arrogance in winning that is really what can seal hatred for them. Although, like I don't know, I think we we've made some uh, real strides towards uh, reinvigorating cowboy hate after that loss that we had in Dallas this year. I know it yeah. restoked my fire. Yeah. Well, so I had to uh, I had to expose him to the term um, "you hate us because you ain't us" uh, theory of <laughs> of fandom. So yeah, he's learning. He's learning. All right. So look, you know what this game this game reminded me a lot of uh, was the Saints playoff game last year, where we came out on fire to a fourteen nothing lead. And then that was pretty much that's pretty much it. You got like half of a first quarter out of this team and uh and then that was it. And it's such like a it's such an infuriating thing because you, I, it's like it's there it's like it's there. You can do it. You did it. It's very exciting. Everyone's hyped now. You 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 shoot out to a double digit. Like any team, you're just going to give them 10 points to start the game. You have to feel very strongly that you're going to find more points somewhere else in this game. Well, <laughs> it, it, not only did they go out to a 10-point lead, but like the way they they did it was so impressive. Like they 
they basically forced two three and outs with their defense who looked like they they weren't going to be moved on all day brady brady doesn't look like the tom brady from even the super bowl year uh, he really doesn't look that i mean other than his acumen like his arm is not something that i would call sp- uh, spectacular or special at the moment like really it's his brain that is what what is beating you but uh, on top of that we we rattled off a nine minute drive on them to score the touchdown like it it appeared to me that our offense could do whatever it wanted on that drive you said that was the longest regular season drive against new england in eight years wow that's and i believe it too like i wouldn't have it wouldn't have come to me off the top of my head, but I certainly believe it because New England has been so dominant. And uh, Gene, you mentioned our defense a moment ago. It was a good game all around for the defense. Like this loss is not on the D. It was they kept us in this game so damn long. And that's what pisses me off because the Eagles came out, had that sustained drive, put up points you know, a couple three and outs, and was it one more score and we had a tie game? Yeah. You know, if we just kept up the momentum for one more drive, you wouldn't have tied. You wouldn't have convinced me that there was only going to be seven points scored in that whole second half. Like, it just, it didn't make any sense the way that this game played out. It, it was it was such a battle of, of punters. It really, it was the war of punting. And, okay. um... Yeah, we're kind of get, we're kind of getting a little scattered shot. So the, the what was the final score? Seventeen ten, right? Yes. Yeah. And the the, the Patriots defer, uh, which you know we didn't really like, but we come out with this with a with a bomb play as our first play from scrimmage, right? Like right into the teeth of what New England does really well. So all going into this week, you know, we're thinking we have the advantage in the trenches here with our offensive line, we have the advantage here with sort of a power running game, even though, you know, we didn't have access to Jordan Howard. Uh, And all week long, that's what I'm pinning my hopes and dreams to. And we come out with a, with a 40 yard bomb to Boston Scott of all people, (laughs) all five foot seven, Boston Scott. And, uh, you know, it works out. You get the PI call and it turns into three points. Now, this next drive, when we talk about this 95-yard drive, maybe my favorite possession of the entire NFL season so far from the Eagles. What do you think? I'd have to say, yeah, as well. It's the one, you know, that I enjoyed watching the most, gave me the most hope, you know, early in the game and just seeing us. You know, I started getting visions of – uh I don't want to say a blowout, but I started getting visions of a, a win of like, you know, this game could be a, a comfortable Eagles win after that point. And I was loving every moment of it. And that's about the last time I could say that about this game. <laughs> the thing I thought was interesting was, you know, they were able to do a lot of things that it seemed like that Baltimore had done on them the week before where they were able to power run and, 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 and throw, you know, those sorts of routes that uh, Baltimore had success with. Uh, The difference is Baltimore has wide receivers and, and, and 
we we just don't right now. And uh, I got concerned when we got into the red zone and began to kind of stall. Um, and uh, if not for uh, the these it was a, a Goddard touchdown that almost wasn't. Um, the refereeing in this game was hit or miss. But um, thankfully, they got, you know, after review, they got that play right. Um, but I, I, I had started to have a little bit of misgivings at the end of the drive when they couldn't just, they didn't just punch it in. Um, so, unfortunately, that kind of became the, the omen for, for how things kind of played out, that they, they just couldn't move the ball. But here's the thing, right? And, and this was kind of when I was hearkening back to that, that Saints game where it's like, you know, you're an underdog and you jump out to a two-score lead, you have to keep applying the pressure. Uh, because when you talk about the Patriots, it's like, well, you know Brady's going to be heard from before this game ends. But actually, we never heard from Brady. Uh, we, if going into this game, we said, by the way, uh, the Patriots will score no rushing touchdowns and Brady will not throw for a touchdown. Do you think you'll be able to win this game? You think you'll be able to muster enough offense to win a game that Tom Brady does not throw a touchdown pass and they do not rush for a touchdown? Do you think maybe in all of your infinite offensive <laughs> wisdom, Doug Peterson would be able to figure out how to win that particular game at home? R real quick, I love the the progression of that question it went from like if somebody <laughs> told you this would happen what would you say and i'm like ready to answer then it became rhetorical <laughs> then it became condescending like so do you think do you think if no rushing touchdowns no brady thrown for touchdowns do you think he could muster a win huh big guy huh tough guy well the question started being directed towards you and ended uh it being directed towards Doug Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> because, <sighs> all right, well, then I, I, let's follow that train, that crazy train, <laughs> which is sort of a poor analogy because that's what the Patriots come out to when they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's follow this crazy train and say, whose fault is this game? Is it Doug or is it Carson? Because those are the two people that I feel are on the chopping block with this one. And I don't know who I'm more angry at. Oh, that's a good question. I, I I think my answers are different. I am more angry at Carson. I feel that the game was Doug's fault if I have to pick one person. I think we were only ever down by one score. We were only ever down by a touchdown. And, you know, was it even late third quarter where our running game disappeared? You know, we'd run the ball, get five yards, and then two passing plays, and then be done. Miles Sanders got four second half touches. Jesus Christ! I thought I was exaggerating when I oh. yeah. So I I blame Doug, but in game, I was more frustrated. I was more pissed off at Carson, just seeing open receivers. And I know, I know, I know, our receivers are not good right now, but he was still missing them. You know, he wasn't even like trying to thread the perfect pass or maybe he was and just missing horribly. But th there were receptions to be had or or he could have put it in a position where I'd go, all right, that was just a drop, you know, and there were one or two drops. But I, I feel more watching the game. I get so frustrated with Carson.
Gene, was it the second to last uh, drive that I kept texting? Uh, yeah. Terrible pass. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, three straight times. Terrible yeah, because, pass. I, I mean, I guess the last drive, I don't think that we had any. I guess we had one play that was for positive yards. But that, that second to last drive, like, it's not like. The, no, the last drive, we had a couple of yeah. strikes for 20 plus yards. But it was so, so late. Uh, you know, we were just, we just yeah. too, too little too late. But. Uh, that second to last drive, and really the fourth quarter, the defense kept putting us in position. We, we we had no business even being in that game. Like we should have been, they should have stuck a fork in us somewhere in the third third quarter. Like it shouldn't have even been a game. So when you you have these almost like these gifts, where yeah, maybe you didn't have ideal field position, but you had the clock. And your defense is managing to keep them off the board. So you're only trying to make up one score to get into a position where, hell, you can tie this game. You have time. And to to just – and I really felt like the calls were right. Like, I feel like Doug had the people in the right spot, and he just didn't deliver the ball. And it's usually you'll see him do that on one play in the series and then – but in this case, he just missed every possible receiver that would have been open. And the most frustrating one of all was the one to Aguilar when he was falling backwards. And everybody's going to say, like, oh, Carson made that great ball. Ag- Nelson's just got to you know, make the catch. And I even said that in real time. But when you go back and look at it, basically he had to kind of like rubber man the whole thing. And, yes, absolutely, NFL receivers have to make that catch. And I still believe that. But it should not have come down to Nelson Aguilar – having to make a circus catch, because if that's what we're pinning our hopes on, I think the Atlanta game should have showed us that if he can't make a routine wide-open catch, we have no prayer of him making a circus catch in the back of an end zone against a pro Bowl cornerback. Like, it's just not going to be anything we can pin our hopes on. In all honesty, I feel like you could take Doug Peterson and cut off all of his fingers, and he'll still insist on playing the piano instead of the bongos. I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I just didn't see that coming. But yes, yes, it, it's oh, play the bongos, Doug. God damn Bang it! Bang the drum all day because that is what is fun to watch this team do: is to run, run, run. I like the offensive line gets push and run. Now look, there's a couple of th- some. There were some Scott runs that I thought if he had any sort of vision, he would be able to have. Uh, some big gains, but I mean, where's Miles Sanders in this game? I, that first drive, that 95 yard drive was magic, man. Like, I get that, I get that there's going to be adjustments made, but you can make adjustments within the running game. That's a and thing. It, and it wasn't as if we were trailing by even 10. You know, I'd say like 14, 17 points. That's where you, you start putting the running game behind you. But when you're only down a touchdown, Stick with the plan. Just play it like you're tied. You know, there's no reason to pass so damn much. Just grind it out. Grind it out, man. I yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And it, it reminds me of Andy Reid. You know, maybe he learned too much from Andy Reid, whereas uh, Dave, you put it out earlier, it's, you know, there's not a third and 10 play that we don't have a six yard pass for, you know, and that was classic Andy and classic Andy Reed is, hey, the run game is finally working for us. 
great. You know what's almost as good as a run? A uh, uh, a six yard pattern that the receiver drops. You know, <laughs> like. But but is that Doug or is it that Carson only has uh, those routes in mind? You know, are are there other options that we aren't seeing that he's not taking because I would he... take that at this point with that with that that explanation Chuck right there with the old Andy Reid one where it's like you know a a uh, a flip to the back or whatever like a 2 yard pass to the the running back or a bubble screen or something like that to a running back is just as you could just call that a run basically yeah uh, I would take that Carson doesn't throw that ball there's no yeah. check down to Carson it seems like and like every one of those sacks today was a Carson's just holding the ball until he gets sacked situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were all almost exactly the same sack. You know, it was all including the fumble. It was all you know the the pocket formed and then the interior of the pocket collapsed. You, you know, you can only expect that you're you're not going to always get eight seconds back there. You know what I mean? You have to you have to make a decision faster than that. That's what makes the the good quarterbacks good is that they process the information and get the ball out quick. I wonder what it is. Do you think he is struggling against, I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as a game manager sort of mentality because look at the games where we've won and played really well. Carson did not have gaudy numbers. The thing that kept jumping out to me about Carson is on the biggest stages that's where he comes up the smallest. So maybe in these big games, like this game, again, the Dallas game, others that I'm, I'm blanking on right now, where it's, you know what, I'm going to outduel Tom Brady. I'm going to outduel Dak. And as opposed to just taking the two-yard route, three-yard route, the check down, he's looking for the home run and just missing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say... Let's see. So the our our most solid wins of the season where you'd say like the Eagles played well, they you know had the game under control, you really weren't that worried. Uh would include the Jets game, the Buffalo game, yeah, and the pretty much most of the Chicago game. And I would say Green Bay, not that we didn't worry, but it looked like we belonged in that Green Bay game. Yeah. It looked like it looked like two good teams competing. Yeah, but another. I mean you're gonna tell me that Aaron Rodgers has a first and goal within the five twice and we survive that. I have, I'm not I, we, I mean that's fair. That's fair. But but all you throw that game in there too, I guess. <clears throat> all of our all of our successful games, Carson's been effective we'll just call it that and we we pretty much dominated the game you know on the ground in the trenches i I just don't i just think that this is the successful identity of our team and nobody wants it to be that way so we won't let it be that way and i heard didinger said something really great because i was screaming it during the press conference was Doug Peterson was basically herald like when he keeps getting asked about that 95 yard drive him and Wentz keep saying that they loved the balance and we had a good mix of plays going and uh you know we were able to you know move the ball around and, and we had a good run pass ratio 
Do you think it was a, a, a... But but hold on, but that that's not like that happened to you. <laughs> it, it wasn't like I was fortunate that we had a good run pass. It's like you called those plays. Like that, was, you, that is something you're in control of. It was lightning in the bottle. I mean, who knows when something like that will happen again? Uh, uh, Doug, you know you have the ability to make that call. Yeah, it was just one of those things. The stars aligned, and and all of a sudden, oh, we had a nice run pass balance. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's it was go fortunate. for another pass balance. <laughs> it was fortunate I had a turkey sandwich for lunch. I mean, I could have made anything, but I don't know. It's. I didn't know you were continuing the example. I thought you were talking about like you personally had a turkey sandwich for lunch and the trip to Fane, you know, like helped calm you. I don't. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. Anyway, do you sorry. think that it's it's the Doug keeps he he gets into these situations where he he runs on first down and they get like a yard or two and he immediately goes to uh, like panic mode that was like oh my god we only got two two yards. Uh, there's definitely no way we can run for these other eight uh, over over two plays. Especially, and maybe more frustrating, was when they got late into the game, it seemed like they absolutely had no interest in running the ball at all. Or or even trying to do some more things like that tight end screen that we've seen be, be successful where they were doing some things that allowed them to use what they where they have their advantages. And I don't feel like their advantages are, are running out routes with, our, with, with Mac Hollins. So that... I would say if that's Doug's thought process, he's the equivalent of a a, a pimply-faced teenager playing Madden because that's basically the level of patience you're demonstrating and forward thinking. It's ridiculous. You feel like I'm going to use my weakness up against their strength to win this football game against the greatest coach of all time. And the most decorated quarterback of all time. It's amazing. That's your thought process. It's amazing that he he was able to win that Super Bowl when he did because I I don't know that I've ever seen him kind of match that acumen as far as play calling since then. Well, was, that whole season that he really had the touch. That you know that whole season, every one of Doug's instincts felt right. The fourth and Doug's. You know, the the zigging when everyone else expects them to zag, the the run, uh, the run pass balance. It just everything clicked, everything aligned that year. And then the second half of last year, maybe I hate to bring up Nick Foles. I do. Don't bring him up. Maybe Doug just calls a better game with Foles. Maybe he's not trying to utilize the talents of Wentz and just doesn't overthink it. Just goes, all right, here is our football football team. They can do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to think about what they're expecting. I'm going to, you know, rock, paper, scissors this shit. And, you know, uh, they're expecting me to, to run here, so I'll pass. And they expect me to pass here, so I run, as opposed to trusting the talent of Carson Wentz. Maybe maybe that game manager, like you said, Dave, is what the Doug Peterson offense needs. Maybe it's just give him somebody competent and he won't overthink the damn thing. Well, the you know, we're going to obviously Nick Foles, name is going to get brought up a lot this week. Um, 
which I don't. I, did you? Did anyone catch any of the Jags game? He didn't play great today, did he? They lost that game. I think they got blown out. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't catch any of the game, but I think they got blown out. Uh. The so this game the this Patriots game the the Folsian Society gets another uh, gets another talking point on their ledger here and the full the the Wentz supporting side you get it you're running out of uh, justifications you know and and the last one that everyone's kind of holding on to now is he doesn't have any weapons which. <laughs> I get it. Which is fair, but I don't think that's the... That wasn't the problem I had with his game today. You know, it's it's pretty clear when... We've seen other games this season, like like Gene said, or, or maybe you said, Dave, the Atlanta game. You know, we've seen games, that's where it's like, okay, he doesn't have any weapons. Today, you know, maybe we, if, he, if he threaded the needle, they would have dropped it anyway, but... We talk a lot about... Yeah, we talk a lot about, you know, McNabb on this show. Also, uh, so if you compare, you know, you compare Carson's current arsenal up against, I don't know, a 2002 Eagles team, you know, you're talking about Thrash, Pinkston, uh, and then in the, you had a decent running back. Who Did we have Westbrook at that point? Mm, uh, I think Deuce if we did, at that point. If we had Westbrook, he would have been a rookie. I think he's, I think okay. he was uh, drafted at the end. So early the Westbrook, game, and then and you have... Uh, you, you probably had Selleck then, right? Yeah, yeah, you definitely did. So again, so comparing that to our current Eagles team, I think it's I think the comps are there. You have bad wideouts, you have plus tight ends, and you have a you know average to plus. You know, at that time, I think maybe Donovan probably had a better backfield, uh, but you probably have a plus backfield now. I, I don't know. It's just like, hey, McNabb made it work. Yeah, McNabb in this exact situation would have had a better game today. Would have won the game with McNabb. Yeah, we would have. We would have. He he gets the passes there. You know, okay, yeah, we all made fun of his dirt balls, but you know, he he was an accurate quarterback. He was a smart quarterback. Wentz missed so many throws yeah. today. So many. And and the one thing that Donovan was really really good at was he protected the ball especially in key situations um when you're you you're deep in your own territory you know i don't i can't think of any really bad examples of him fumbling you know i'm sure that they happen but you know that's becoming a pattern with carson is that he he just he's got fumbleitis and it was one of those things that we were talking about earlier in the year like oh he seems to have gotten that figured out and then it's it's reared its ugly head he always thinks he has more time, you know. I and and that's what makes some of his plays great, but it's also what gets him into trouble a lot of times. I mean, when you're going down for a got any gotta have it drive, I feel like this season there's been sacks or fumble sacks. It's just it's just not there. I just don't. I can't I can't point to the drive. When when you look at the really elite you gotta guys, have it drive. When you look at the really elite guys, the Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh Pete Tom Brady, um, you know, whoever else you want to lump in there, uh Peyton Manning for a while. These guys 
it's out of character to see them take bad sacks. It's out of character to see them uh, have, you know, why was the strip fumble in the, in the, in the Super Bowl such a big deal? Because it happened to Tom Brady, and that doesn't happen to Tom Brady. It's rare. Um, these guys will be willing to take an incomplete. Look at how, how many bad balls did, did, did Brady throw out of bounds when he was under a pursuit. But also note how many times he didn't end up fumbling the ball in deep in his own territory or turning the ball over in those situations um, because he doesn't have the legs to get away from people. And Carson, I think, thinks that he does, and he's seen himself make those plays where he dives under a, a defensive uh, you know, tackle or whatever. And those plays are great for highlights, but sometimes you just need to make the play that keeps the drive alive so that you don't end up in third and 22 and you end up in third and 10. You know, a, a thought occurred to me, Gene, while you were breaking down those quarterbacks, because I often think of, of Peyton Manning and his early struggles in the playoffs. And it was, is Peyton Manning a clutch quarterback? And that's that's pretty much forgotten. You know, he he proved that he is a clutch quarterback in spades. And I was thinking maybe... You know, Wentz's decision-making will get better in time. And this is, what, his fourth year in the league for Wentz? Fourth or fifth? Yeah. yeah. Fourth, I think. But he doesn't have four years of playing time. No. You know, he's missed a large chunk of time. So he has the years of a veteran, and maybe he has the, the confidence or cockiness of a veteran. But, man, he doesn't have those reps. You know, he's not a rookie back there, but, you know, learning to to make the smart play as opposed to going for the big play or just having the confidence to do that check down, to, to make the smaller play, to extend the drive, to do, you know, to know when his time's running out in the pocket, to know when to give up that extending, you know, extending his time in there maybe he gets better with that in time or, or maybe he needs a, a bit of a wake up call to go, Hey buddy, like you've been in the league four years, but you only have like two and a half of actual playing time. You're not that experienced. Listen to other people, you know, listen to other people think through these things a little more. Uh, and, you know, maybe if Aguilar comes down with that fourth and, uh, fourth and 10 ball that, that ended the game in the end zone. We're having a different conversation, but you cannot, I don't know. You can't throw something catchable in that situation once out of every 10 times and then rag on the receiver for not making the amazing play. Yeah. And especially when we know who the receiver is. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, there's nobody else that can get down there that fast. It's just, it is what it is. And Aguilar is Aguilar. I mean, we can't, yeah, you're right. It's like it's like anticipating the double play. Like we can't <laughs> we can't expect Aguilar to come down with that. We'll just be happy if he does. Yeah. It, so and that's on the guy with the talent. I mean, there is no question Carson Wentz has a lot of talent. It's just funneling it, being better with it. Do you, do you start to put stock into the 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 anonymous sources at this point. Do you think that he's lost the confidence of the 
the players around him? Do you think that they are they don't play as hard for him? Do you think that there's anything to what people have said? Do you think they really don't like him or want to to follow him as a leader? Do you think there's any any credence to any of that at this point? I, I it would be it's it's a it's impossible to tell from watching the game if something came out that yes that was true I wouldn't be surprised. I'm inclined to think there's an element of truth to it. You know, when there's that much smoke, there's bound to be some fire. And he's a confident guy. I'm not, you know, I think I described him earlier in the show as cocky. He, he, He doesn't seem, you know, cocky per se, but he's definitely confident. And he's definitely comfortable in his own skin. And I wonder if... You know, if going into this locker room of mostly Super Bowl winners and going, hey, it's my ship, and we go, everyone's looking around, it's like, yeah, we won a Super Bowl without you, dude. You know, maybe, maybe that, you know, quarterback bravado wears a little thin when you're not the guy they won with. Now, all that said, so yes, I, I do think there's some credence to those rumors, Gene. But with all that being said, line up a three-game winning streak where Carson's on fire and he can he can say whatever the hell he likes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It seems you like think anything to us going to the Kaepernick uh, tryout. Well, didn't like twenty-five teams go to the Kaepernick tryout? No, I thought it was the the actual opposite. I think I read somewhere it was like, like eight or like, something. Yeah, like six, and they they named six, and I think there was two that were, I guess, maybe embarrassed to be seen there. I I don't know. Well, Lori's the kind of guy who would, you know, want to, you know, Lori's per, uh, pretty vocally liberal, you know, um, so I imagine he's the kind of guy who'd want to support a outspoken player, whether there's any actual interest there or not. You know, we talked about on the show before, you know, Kaepernick does have his differences with Malcolm Jenkins. So oh, why, right, right, right. why would you bring that in? But yeah, good point. I think that Kaepernick's problem is less to do with his ability right now and more the fact that he's interested most in, going right back into a starting role or at least being paid like a starting starting quarterback. I don't know that he would demand to do that. That's you know, that was kind of the scuttlebutt I heard at the beginning of the year is that that he, if he wasn't in a situation where he was at least, you know, very much in the consideration for, for starters, uh, you know, for starting, for taking over to start, he wasn't really interested in the job. I think that there has probably been some conversations where it's like, if we can bring him in and he can back up, like, you know, as an insurance policy, great. Um, I think that there's a real lack of co- good quarterbacks in the league. I think that... This, uh, yeah, I mean, he could definitely start for a whole handful. This of year, if there's been ever been a year where you've kind of seen the drop-off between, you know, the good quarterbacks and, and why guys are second and third string... Um, this has been the year. There have been a lot of uh, quarterback injuries to kind of illustrate that point. Um, so I feel like, you know, and I, whether that's true or not, I kind of feel like maybe that might be the mark on him. And it's just the thing that I think with with 
with our particular situation, partly what Chuck said was that there's definitely would be some tension within the locker room and the already established leadership. And I just don't think that even him at his best, like the best version of Colin Kaepernick, is a good fit for this offense. Like I just don't think that it it works with him. You know? Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, uh, and I'm not I'm not like a Kaepernick guy. Like I'm not like you got to bring Cap in here, but I I'm the same, Dave. But I do think it's like shady, like the fact that he doesn't have a job in this league. Yeah, totally. You know, and. I heard, you know, Gene, I heard the same things you did where he wanted to be a starter. He wanted to make X amount of money. And then this week before the tryout, like his agent or somebody said like, hey, he's not looking for starter money. He's not looking to be a starter. He just wants to play. And then he ended up doing his own workout, not the NFL workout. And then the NFL issued some sort of passive aggressive statement about it. It's it's all sorts of shady, yeah. you know. It should have been a a two week. This guy should have been out of the league for half a season. First injury that went down his first season out of the league. He should have been back. Look, and and, and, and honestly, I don't even really think he's that great a quarterback, but no. he's he's talented enough. But honestly, this has been a really bad week for the NFL in black eyes. Um, obviously, maybe the most important or not important, the most interesting. Thursday night football game in the history of the the league so far, uh, at least, uh, you know, as far as national press maybe uh, happened this week. Do you guys have any feelings one way or the other on, uh, do they call it helmet gate or or what what happened in the Steelers and, and, and Browns game? Any thoughts? What? They're not calling it helmet gate, really? I heard some Yahoo say something about that this morning. Uh, I don't know if it's caught on yet. So Miles Garrett rips the the helmet off of uh, um, what's his name Mason Rudolph Mason Rudolph uh, and hits him over the head with it. Yeah. Now he did make contact. Like it wasn't a graze. Yeah, he he did make attempt- contact. I didn't say attempted to hit him in the head with it. He squarely hit him in the dome with his own helmet. Uh, I definitely have feelings about this because you know a lot of people are. God, these annoying talk shows, morning talk shows, they're all taking the next, like the, I don't know, the in vogue stance of, you know, Rudolph, you know, instigated it by, you know, these things that they did, that he did, you know, by grabbing Garrett's face mask and yada, yada. The end of the day is Miles Garrett brought a helmet to a fist fight. Right, exactly. And, I mean, he took so whatever. If this, you know, if a punch is thrown or a face mask is grabbed, if you want to grab a face mask back, like I get it. Like that stuff happens. The heat of the moment stuff. But to take the man's helmet off and then hit him over the head with it, that's absolute savagery, man. And like playing in the NFL is a privilege. It is not a right. And I think you should be out of the league. I think he's already suspended for the rest of this year. I think then the rest of next year on top of that, and then we'll talk. You know, he could kill him. He could have killed him. If a Major League Baseball player got hit by a pitch and took the bat out and hit the pitcher. Well, yeah, that's a lifetime ban and (laughs) criminal charges. (laughs) Like, that's basically what happened to an extent. And, you know, you could say that 
the whole situation could have been de-escalated, but once you take someone's helmet, you know, there's there's a code of, you know, machismo in the NFL. Like if someone takes your helmet off of your own head, you cannot just walk away from that situation. Like that is your helmet, man. You have to get your helmet back. Right. The, the interesting well, he did get his helmet back. <laughs> and maybe he was just attempting to put it back on. Aggressively and upside down. I I, I don't like it. The the play was, you know, I mean, like it's and the hot takes come from, you know, after he gets a, you know, the Steelers are not coming back in that game. He's on his back and and Garrett's over him and 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 he does reach up, grab him, and he does grab at Garrett's helmet. The 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 that next step came when when they do get to their feet and uh, and Garrett takes the helmet off rather than release it like that's all he had to do just drop the helmet and then you've got uh, you know every kind of normal fight uh, he he is so enraged that he can't even apply enough logic to drop the weapon and he just hurt you know he is a defensive lineman against a second-string quarterback. Yes, forced, pressed into service to start, but there's a reason why the NFL goes out of their way to protect quarterbacks because they're, they are being pursued and hit by guys that are, in some cases, almost double their size and certainly double their aggression. So that's why, in this particular case, maybe above all others, you know, if it's two offensive, uh, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, you know that's more of a fair fight, but just physical difference. You can't have, uh, you can't make a make a an example of that. It's cool for your quarterbacks to be put in situations that are this uh, this dangerous. So the NFL is going to come down probably way harder on this than they have for a lot of other situations where they probably should have immediately. And maybe that's the thing that makes me the most angry is it seems like the NFL's response to this was almost immediate. And, and, and there's been so many other cases where players have done behavior, even if it's outside of the field of play, that is almost as egregious. And they've never been this confident with their ruling. Did you see uh, Josina Anderson, I mean, uh, Alshon Jeffries' tweet about uh, – <laughs> she she tweeted something with like an arrow to Mason Rudolph's hand insinuating that he grabbed Miles Garrett's junk during the altercation. Did you see that? I, I didn't see that arrow. Uh, I may must have scrolled past it way too fast. Yeah, and I, I didn't see either. But even if he did – like again, that, grabbing someone's junk is not called for. I mean, it has happened in scrums, but like that is, you, you can't hit somebody with a blunt object. It's it he he could have maimed him. Like it's no no good. If he drops that helmet and then hits him with a closed fist, that's a three game suspension, maybe at max. Or if he like has the helmet in his like the the face mask in his fist and punches with the fist and maybe the helmet like follows through all right that's just not thinking you're like okay the helmet stuck in my hand but he like went like freaking el kabong on the guy with with the helmet like that's that's not gonna fly and is this uh, just one of those things where like we're gonna we're gonna pass it off as well that's just the nfl if you expect these guys to be violent for for 90 minutes you can't expect them to just shut it off in in half a second 
over under on how long until Miles Garrett is a Dallas Cowboy? <laughs> Three years? If he's got a year and a half suspension, I would say that he's probably already made contact with Jerry Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's a resident of Dallas um, by February. And he's playing on the Cowboys uh, in 2021. I mean, look, you got a league that we're talking about uh, having. We're celebrating players that basically we know have murdered people. Um, we have known uh, abusers of women. We have known abusers of children. We have known abusers of substances. Uh, we we're talking about a sport that creates uh, brain damage for its players. Um, the NFL is just, I don't know why we like it so much, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Next year, we are promising far more union coverage. <laughs> I don't, it's just, it's just, it's despicable. I mean, the whole, the, the league is just pretty deplorable. Wouldn't you say? It is. It is. And it's. It's the one league that you see the most disparity between the owners and the players. The lack of guaranteed contracts. My God, like these guys are scrambling their brains for you. And you go, yeah, you know what? We're not going to pay you the next two years. You know, you had two good years. But after you get that fifth concussion, you're not a good player anymore. See ya. Yeah, it's like the players association won't fight for like the the players actually getting fair contracts. However, you know, if you break the arms of your children, uh they'll fight to keep you active in the league as much as humanly possible. Yeah. And so, whatever. Yeah. I mean the the football players association association like they should strike. You know, with how popular football is, it's probably never going to be more popular than it is now. I think we're already, you know, past the crest of popularity for football. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to drop off dramatically, but I'm saying, you know, strike while the iron is hot. Strike, man. Like, get yourself guaranteed contracts. It's ridiculous. The how little football players get paid with how much they sacrifice their bodies and how much money the, the sport generates. You know, look at your average football player versus, you know, your average baseball player. Eh, maybe not average. Let's say your your name baseball player versus your name football player. Not elite stars, not bench warmer, but like a guy you know of, a guy you'd be happy to have their trading card of. The baseball player is making more, and he's going to be able to have a functional life at the end of his playing career, at the end of his you know, 15-year playing career as opposed to a running back who's going to play for six years, not be able to walk, and then have brain damage. And that's before he's 35. Yeah, before he's 35. The median salary... Be wait, wait, actually, check this out. The median salary for all NFL players is 860000 Jesus. Uh, last season's uh, opening day drop was only the second since the, this is for the uh, MLB salary. Uh, according to AP calculations, blah, 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 blah. The unions determined that its final average was four million ninety five thousand. Wow. So it's four times higher. Yeah. Uh, 
Pretty wild, huh? Now, yeah. now, Chuck. Speaking of strikes, I I thought I was reading that there was been some kind of scuttlebutt where there's some of the players union leadership have kind of been getting the word out to other players that like, fellas, make sure you're banking money because strikes coming. And uh, I guess my question to you guys was going to be, we've lived through uh, in our lives some strikes in major sports, and uh, there's been kind of a. I think all three of the other four major sports have had strikes in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think NFL did too, but I don't really remember what happened in 85. Um, but so what do you think? Like, what has been your impression after those leagues? Because I'll tell you, my my feelings, depending on which league and when it was, was very different from how I felt about when Major League Baseball struck versus when the NBA and NHL struck. And and just to be, um, you know, fair here, not all of these are strikes, Many of them, especially the NHL, are lockouts. Um, yeah, just to make more. that distinction. Um, well, the NHL still hasn't recovered from the lockout, right? Well, financially, they have. Oh. From like the lost year lockout, the sport is never more popular than it is now. Um, the constant threat of labor unrest, that doesn't help. You know, the casual fan getting into it, when the fact that they lost a year to a lockout, that's not good. But the the changes that the lockout brought, you know, the the great lockout, not the other lockouts, the lost year lockout, that that really did help revolutionize the game. And that's when the two line pass got eliminated. Yep, that's when the two line pass got eliminated. The, Trapezoid uh, came in. assumption. I know the icing assumption that, that was only recently. Okay. But it, things like uh, the crackdown on obstruction okay. and that sort of thing, and but Gene, you're asking me how I how I feel about the various ones. Baseball, you know, with the strike that cost them the World Series, mm-hmm. that one that was what ninety four. That was ninety four because I made the joke that we were still the NL champs because okay. <laughs> the the Phillies were the reigning ones. But that one felt like, God, what a disaster. You play the whole season, but you don't get to finish it. And then when the NHL lost the full season, that was just embarrassing. That Jim was Fergosi like, got to manage two all-star games. Yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. it needed, it needed uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And a home run chase to, to, to bring popularity back. And that's thing, very true. The thing that's interesting, though, is they, they would have had that that year probably because it's very possible Ken Griffey Jr. was on pace that year to to break the, the single-season record. It was, it was very likely. He was well into the 40s and when they went down in uh, the end of July, I think. And, um, yeah, the, the, the Montreal Expos were leading their division. It's possible that they would have won a World Series and we wouldn't have had to hear about uh, the Washington Nationals because that would have clearly reinvigorated baseball in Montreal <laughs> and uh, basically saved Canada, which is another thing that we ended up losing. And the Washington Canada... Nationals can thank yeah, the yeah. strike of 94. Right, because you know, had the Montreal Expos won the World Series that year, it probably would have saved Canada. Uh, but but, but a more serious Did we though, lose Canada? Where... <laughs> Canada lost itself, Chuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but, Not a Trudeau fan over there, but go on. <laughs> on. On a more serious note, like I remember, like that was the one that was very, 
Uh, that I, I hated because that, that I was never a bigger baseball fan than I was at the time. I remember coming out of the the last Phillies game, uh, you know, of the and it was it didn't fit that game finished late. It was a part of a doubleheader, and it was the last, literally the last game to finish the night that they, they went on strike. It was the last game of the year, um, and I, I was really disappointed. And I was angry at baseball, but honestly, with the NBA and their lockout and and the NHL with their lockout, uh, you know, to a certain degree, like it's perceived the same way. I think to casual fans, as Chuck was maybe alluding to. Uh, but I think that both of those ended up making such positive uh, changes to both of those games that had it not happened and, and things stayed the same, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been better. And, and honestly, that's, that's where I am with the NFL. I think that something has to happen in order to fix the game because if we leave it up to Roger Goodell and, and, and those guys and the owners to fix the game, we're going to continue to get things like these overreactions like we got to pass interference this year. We're going to continue to get bad rule changes that aren't completely thought out, that are not actually in the interest of player safety, and, and are just trying to cover your own butts. And that's not going to have the NFL around in 10 years. You're going to get supplanted by another league. Uh, whether it's another league of football or it's another league, uh, you know, or the NBA or, or Major League Baseball or somebody else, the, the baseball is not go- or football is not going to be the billion dollar industry that it that it is now. It's not going to have the license to print money if it doesn't get its shit together. Uh, I mean, what one more big story of the week before we wrap up? If you guys want to talk about it, um, Houston Astros, twenty seventeen comes out that they're stealing signs and not like the fun way to steal signs. They're like Spygate-esque stealing signs. Is this tantamount to like a, a a full-blown scandal? I mean, I don't think, I don't really hear people making such a big deal about it. I mean, you basically cheated the World Series and now it's being essentially legitimized. It should be a big scandal. It should be. I think the fact that we're, you know, a couple years removed from it diminishes it, which it shouldn't. And I think the fact that, you know, you have the I, the old-fashioned way of, you know, stealing signs, preferably, you know, somebody on second base, you know, not the person in the outfield with binoculars, but it, to to do it this way, especially in baseball, especially... You know, Gene was talking just a moment ago about how football, you know, needs to change or might not be around in 10 years or around like we know it in 10 years. Baseball, you know, with a few variations is the same damn game it's been our entire lives. And to to take something like, you know, calling the game through signs and stealing those signs to give your team an unfair advantage via technology really sucks i mean i I wish i could say somehow better than that but it's it sucks it's infuriating it should be a scandal it should be something they're ashamed of and you know we love to throw the asterisks around in the uh you know baseball hall of fame but you know here's another one for uh for cooperstown you know put an asterisk next to the the Astros World Series win. I mean, and just for some context, that that series was tied 2-2 going into game five in Houston 
with a game which the Astros won 13 to 12. I mean, that was like the, the game of that series. Like, yeah, it, you, there's no way they're scoring 13 runs. If they were cheating then, and and knowing when an off-speed pitch was coming and when a fast pit, a fastball was coming, there's no way removing that they're still scoring 13 runs. So how are they getting the, the this information delivered to them in real time? I, I guess I, I missed that part of the There's the a uh, the, There's a camera that was being mon- in center field that was being monitored um, in the clubhouse and uh, someone in the uh, hall, like wh- whatever the ramp or whatever that leads to the dugout was banging a trash can um, a certain number of times or something. If it was an off speed pitch. Okay. So there was an audio cue that the batter would have enough time to react. Yeah. And then I don't know if that, uh, that whatever that sign got relayed somehow to the hitter, um, I don't know the the machinations behind that, but that's it was it was a banging of a trash can. Okay, but it was enough that you would think that's the thing is baseball to a certain degree. You know, even if you have things in real time, you have to be able to make these decisions in split seconds. But if you were able to to see that in real time and 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 whack a trash can and the guy could hear it in the batter's box like that, that is enough information that you should be able to you know even if it's just breaking pitch or not breaking pitch, that's enough that it could give you uh, an edge. Oh, absolutely. That removes the whole adjustment aspect of it because it's usually what you do, right? You sit yeah. on fastball, adjust to the breaking pitch, or you sit on the breaking pitch and adjust to the fastball, yeah. which you know, I guess is probably a little more rare. But, um, yeah, that takes half of the difficulty of it out of it. Right? Yeah. How many times do you see a player? I mean, that's all about the off-speed pitch. That's all about the breaking ball where the, the batter looks foolish where they're swinging through and they're nowhere near the ball. You look at a guy like Cole Hamels, that's his whole that was his whole repertoire in 2008 was fastball changeup. Right. Yeah. yeah, if somebody knows that you know this is not going to be a fastball, they sort of like double clutch their their swing, you know that you know gives them you know what a Fifty percent more, you know, twenty percent more, e- even any percentage more chance of making the right call and yeah. you know getting a better sense of the ball that's coming to them. That's a huge advantage. Baseball's split second things, and if you have any foresight, any any advantage on your opponent, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference in baseball. I don't know. To me, it's it's. Uh... I mean, I guess it's cheating to win as opposed to when you when we talk about the Black Sox uh, scandal. I guess Black Sox scandal is probably a little worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, baseball has always looked awful. looked much more uh, down. Uh, there's got to be a better way to say that. But baseball has really had a knock against. That's why they're so why gambling is such the the black mark that it is in baseball because the idea that you would throw a game and 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 make the competition less uh pure uh you know that that is, is untenable to 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 the the gods of baseball whereas in to a certain degree like you're saying cheating to win it's almost as if like if if you aren't cheating you aren't trying in baseball it's the same kind of way that that to a certain degree the the steroid uh, crisis didn't really blow up until it became 
unmanageable until almost Congress had to step in and be like, you need to clean this game up because it's it's not legitimate the way that you're operating right now. These these guys are not they're putting themselves at risk and it's it's not what you're portraying yourselves to be. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's why this is not this is not something that if you 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 follow baseball, you're you're really surprised that it hasn't blown up and they haven't gone and taken the trophy out of the trophy case because that's not what baseball does. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we've gotten to a place where where these sorts of things happen. And it's not it's not, you know, the, the top story for an entire news cycle. It's, you know, it's two days and then it goes because God, we live in a world where just things are just so insane from day to day that certain things that should get way more coverage, you know, if they require too much thought, you know, it just gets dismissed too fast. And I, I will uh, I honestly like. Altuve is one of my favorite players in baseball. And I, I just really can't look at those guys really the same way anymore. That whole that whole core of Correa and Sprint. Like, I just really can't. I don't know. I'll just never look at them the same way. Yeah, it sours the whole thing. It's, it's the efficiency of the cheating. You know, like... I, the example I gave of you got a guy on second base, like trying to relay the signs and yeah, that's if, cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. That, that's a best guess. That's something that's in the game. That's, that's not something that's, you didn't set up a special camera and set up a code system to communicate this to the well, wasn't it? Wasn't it the play? wasn't it. The, what's the story behind, um, didn't someone read, uh, Greg Maddox's lips? Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I want to say like Will Clark or so, somebody yeah. like a giant or so, I don't know something like that. And th- and now that is why every mound visit the they the gloves are covering the cut, lips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's fun. that's part of the evolution of the game, and that's right. trying to yeah. get whatever edge you can out there. And we're all just like human beings trying to compete and find whatever whatever slight edge you can get. I think is great, but to, to use a camera and stuff like that's yeah, it really takes a lot away from it. Yeah. Well. Let's take away a lot from that and head towards Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. And yeah, let's lighten the mood here and go to the penalty box. Uh, Gene, Gene, who is in your penalty box uh, today? Uh, keeping it with baseball, actually, I'm going to put um, Major League Baseball itself back into the penalty box. Uh, a frequent visitor. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm putting them in now because... Right now, as we speak, and I don't know if this has become official, um, there are possibly 42 minor league baseball teams that are going to be uh, retracted or, or, or Whoa, cut from really? the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the New York Times reported uh, which teams specifically are there on the chop- chopping block. There are 42 in total. Uh, more details are coming out. and um, it, uh, Do we basic- have the list? I, I haven't found the list. I'll, I'll look more into it if I if I can find it. We can, we can throw it. The New York Times did have it um, at one point. This is actually probably about two weeks. I should have put this in about two weeks ago. But uh, the reasoning is really why I'm putting this into the penalty box. So the reason why these uh, minor league teams are being retracted is because uh, a lot of minor league baseball players have been trying to organize themselves and ask for better wages. So basically, from the way I understand it, baseball's answer to that is, cool, you want better wages? How about no teams? 
this is back to the Houston Astros organization. They were uh, one of the first organizations to uh, trim their um, their minor league system from nine teams to seven and uh, were willing to develop through a smaller pool. So Major League Baseball's selling point is, hey, you know, look, we're being more efficient. Uh, and what really they're doing is they're closing down these rookie ball, low A ball teams. But a lot of those places, it's the only professional league that they have is these minor league uh, rookie teams, these communities. This is their their professional sports. You know, not everybody in this country lives within two hours of a major metropolitan area. And a lot of these places, they're, you know, they rely on high school sports and minor league baseball, that is what sports is to them. And it's to me, it is really unfortunate that um, that these jobs, the the economies in these small towns, you know, the 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 office people, the players, the you know, the parking attendants. Um, you know, I live in a town where we have a, a a a minor league baseball team, and it's it's good for the city. We have a minor league basketball team. It's good for where I live. So I would really hate to see that this become the trend of uh, retracting from communities their only real exposure to professional sports. All right, Major League Baseball, you are getting a major penalty for taking away minor league teams and for refusing to pay people a living wage. And instead, you're just going to fold the team. Major League Baseball, stop being so shady and so shitty. Five-minute major. All right, Dave, we're going to go to you and um, try to keep with the idea that the penalty box is supposed to be lighthearted. Let's lighten this up. Dave, who's in your penalty box? I'm also going to stick with a uh, Major League Baseball theme that I should have put in the penalty box last week. Okay. Uh, I'm putting Scott Kingery in the penalty box. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for posting pictures from Reese Hoskins' bachelor party. Dude, you're putting, like, incriminating pictures out there on the on the Insta. Like, you're putting pictures of your bro dressed as Princess Peach. Which, like, I don't know. Can we kind of hypothesize what the situation was? in that bachelor party where you got a bunch of Mario's, you got a bunch of Luigi's. Do you hit the town like that? I I guess. Yeah. A bunch of Mario's a bunch of Luigi's and one princess peach who is the bachelor. I feel like there's a speed run bet lost in here somewhere. Mm, could be. <laughs> Are you more a Mario or a Luigi? I don't jump that high. Um, I I would say I'm more of a Mario. Yeah. Dave, you Luigi? Oh yeah, I always uh, I always went with Luigi when I when I had the option. Yeah. Bro, I'm yeah. a toad, man. I all my height is in my hat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for that reason, I'm putting uh, Scott Kingery in the penalty box. All right, Scott Kingry, you're getting a double minor. Uh, bachelor party basics. Nothing leaves the bachelor party. Two minutes for that, and another two minutes for 
don't expose your friend in drag when especially there might be gangbang implications going on. I have no idea what's happening there. Oh, dear Lord. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right. So we're going back to a favorite of mine as well. We're going to Twitter. And there is nothing that I enjoy more than watching a hockey game or watching any sporting event and interacting with people on Twitter, interacting with you guys on a chat, sitting down with friends, having a beer, watching the game, talking to people. And Twitter is a great resource for that. When you're when you're not with people you can talk with, you have a lot of people you can share the excitement of the game with. And even if you can't watch the game, there are a few beat writers who used to you know, give you the play-by-play. The team themselves used to give you the play-by-play. And now, so does everybody else. So if you have a blog, if you have a podcast, if you fancy yourself a new reporter, please, for the love of God, don't give us play-by-play. Especially if you're not, like, on top of it. Because Flyers Twitter becomes useless during a game. And I've muted half of you, but you're watching it and it's like, oh, and Claude Giroux scores. And you're just seeing like, you know, assist by Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux scores. You know, a minute later, assist by Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux scores. Some of you are like five minutes late. We're watching the damn game. We all follow the, if, if your blog started last week and someone is following you, Rest assured, they are following Sam Carcitti. Rest <laughs> assured, they are following the Flyers' official Twitter feed. You don't need to do the play play by play for the whole fucking game. Stop it. We're bring commentary. Bring bring stupid jokes. Not not too stupid because that's our forte. But no, seriously, <laughs> just stop with the Twitter commentary. It it ruins a good experience. So for Twitter play by play, um, you are getting a two minute penalty. Uh, that's a two minute penalty on Twitter play by play. Wait a second, that's a two minute penalty on Twitter play by play. Oh, somebody else um is saying that there's been a two minute penalty call and they scored. So yes. See, see, see what I did there? I do. I, do. I, 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 picked, I picked up what you're putting down. <laughs> all right, great. Uh, that's all of the time we have for today. I I promise, though, that we did watch a bunch of Flyers and Sixers games <laughs> um, this week. I just think we'd rather not talk about them, and hopefully they'll all have a great week this week, and we can talk about that on Monday instead. Uh, so we'll be back with you next Monday. If you haven't done so already, please uh, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and also, uh, please check out the whip round back in their, their new format, our sister show, uh, give them a listen. If you want to get updated on some of the, the weird news of the week, check them out. Uh, until then we'll see you next Monday. Have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.